Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Congratulations, you've unlocked some Gorilla Radio. I am a crypto keeper, Steve Strange. I will break down a digital asset called cryptocurrency. Picture me rolling into central land. I got no time for glitches. I just need to buy land. They are chasing my bosses. What somebody be telling? But I don't give much, because I ain't selling. My NFT is not another number. I put a price, so don't place a bit what is under. The banks want to see us there. If a bull price is on the head, but still I have mana on my ledge. Well, welcome back, everyone. This is going to be a a very fun and interesting show. I am finally going to get down to the topic that I've been anticipating and am excited to really start to get into. And this is going to touch on the more creative side of things. So when it comes to crypto, you know, um, a lot of... much of the time, money gets, uh, you know, I think gets to the forefront of the brain. I'm like, you know, money this and uh, exponential value that. And, you know, it can get a little overwhelming to try and keep up with and figure out. And um, believe it or not, crypto does a whole lot more than just transactions A to B. And um, we're going to like dive into that a little bit more with something called NFT. So the best part about this is I have a special guest with me. And his name is Johnny. <laughs> hey, how's it going, everybody? What's up, Johnny? Um, so uh, what we're going to do is we're going to start off with um, getting to know you a little bit and, uh, you know, trying to uh, first get acquainted with who you are, and then we're going to get into that good stuff. So, um, so yeah, welcome to Encrypto for All, you know, for me, for you, and for everyone else. So uh, we're going to start off with a little bit of questionnaire and... Um, and um and then we'll go from there so uh if you'd like um you know provide some uh you know some background and some introduction as to who and uh what you're about yeah sure thing thanks steve for uh having me so uh my name is johnny huang and um i i feel like i'm just a regular guy but uh fell into crypto back in 2016. Uh, a little bit background history about me um been in the entertainment industry since 2014. Um, I'm the uh, co- co-founder of uh, BitBar Temple, which is a uh, free play arcade, and uh, I'm also the uh, co-founder of Iconic Comics, which is a uh, indie comic publisher. Um, and you can get more information about that on uh, the website www.iconiccomics.com. Um, let's see. So, where should we start? Uh, well, I like to um, first. You know, in light of the the topic of um, the title of the show, of course, we're going to see how did you uh, first hear about crypto or how did you get started? Um, In cryptocurrency, the well, so the first time I heard about crypto was uh, regarding Bitcoin back in 2012. Um, My brother was telling me all about this hype about Bitcoin. I'm like, what is that? So um, I had no clue. Um, and to be honest with you, um, when he told me about it, I had very little interest in it. And uh, at the time, I just thought it was just going to be a uh, another PayPal or something like that. So I didn't do too much with it. Um, 
But from 2012, fast forward to 2015, um, it caught my eye because more of my friends, um, not only in the entertainment industry, but also um, my business friends were um, talking to me about Bitcoin. So that's 2015 was probably when I started having a lot of interest in cryptocurrency. Okay. Um, so how how often do you come across uh, someone else that's interested? Because, um, you know, it's this is such a new emerging class and everyone's still just getting started to find out. Um, and so I think it's it feels like it's just um, just so uh, by like a brief chance for you to come across and find out about something because it's not a usual topic and conversation. So, I mean, uh, do you come across other people that are having these conversations about uh, cryptocurrency and the technology? Um, yes and no. So I guess it depends on uh, which circle of friends or group of people I'm around with. Mm. So, you know, if you're hanging out with a bunch of... Uh, you know, drinkers or gamers, and then you're going to talk about arcade and bars. Uh, if you're talking about comics, um, you're, you know, with artists and stuff, you're going to talk about those things. But out of my group of friends, I have a lot of different groups of friends. Um, I want to say maybe one out of 25 friends I have are um, into the crypto um, sphere. Right, <laughs> right. And I can't imagine, too, I mean, it's, it's hard to think about when the internet first came online and became accessible for all of us to, uh, when we first, uh, you know, stepped in front of that computer screen with a keyboard at our tip, our fingertips. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, something off to the side called a mouse. I thought that was the strangest thing to me. <laughs> Why would they call it that? Sure. And then it's just kind of, you know, it was a point and click kind of uh, task. And then it took you, you know, so many different places or wherever it could at the time, you sure. know, with the various types of uh, the outlets or programs that were available in the websites. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that was, that was a bit of an amazing journey. I, I can imagine. I really can't recall. I think I was in, of course I was in school at some point. We had first gotten computers and uh, you know, it was such I was blown away. I was a little intimidated and I, I, I really felt reluctant to kind of jump in there and start using this thing. Sure. Oh man. I remember the, the very first experience of owning a personal computer at home with, with the internet. So it'll show you a little bit about my age. So I guess it was in the, it was probably in the late nineties. Um, I was in high school. The, uh, I remember my first computer was a 300 megahertz HP computer with a two X uh, DVD player and a CD burner. And my friend who was the air quote computer nerd friend out of the group, mm -hmm. his computer was like 166 megahertz. And he was like, Oh my God, you have a 300 megahertz computer with a 17 inch CRT monitor. Holy crap. You know, you have an eight gig hard drive. Holy, I remember those days. So, and, yeah. and I was on dial up modem, you know, <laughs> and, uh, AOL was a big thing back then or AOL messenger. I remember I was using this other thing called, um, internet relay chat IRC. Um, and, uh, and he was using AOL, but I was using a local ISP uh, internet service provider. Um, I believe it was called VVM at the time. And, um, I was so happy with my 28.8, you know, uh, connection to the internet, the dial-up thing, you know, the noise. But I, I, I totally remember that moment. And uh, uh, at that time, the only way you connect with people uh, outside of, you know, people's phone numbers you memorize or wrote down mm. was, you know, going outside or, or uh, calling people. So the internet was a totally new thing. And uh, I remember talking to people from other countries, other states, other cities. It was so easy, but it was just typing. Hmm. And I remember I was two finger typing, you know, and um, <laughs> before I took a keyboarding class, but uh, I remember those days. It was, it was, I remember, remember that day so vividly. And I remember the gaming console I was playing at the time was a PlayStation one crash bandicoot. It was oh. a game I was playing twisted metal. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Great games. Good stuff. Oh my goodness. Oh yeah. yeah. And, uh, I can't wait to really start to go into that uh, at a later time at another show. Sure. Um, in in combining the the crypto and gaming space because sure. uh, that talk about another mind blowing experience where this is going, where mm -hmm. gaming is going in crypto. Um, I I just start to really just um, yeah, I 
feel feel like anxious and so <laughs> just like oh i want that right now because it's going to be amazing so that's going to be an amazing conversation when it comes but yes. uh um you know you're you're one to, to to have many travels in your experience you travel from place to place all over mm -hmm. and uh so one thing i was curious about is you know as far as that the way that uh, technology and the internet has integrated itself into our infrastructure has become so important. Um, do you see uh, this, you know, this particular technology, this blockchain technology, this cryptocurrency, um, you know, uh, potential as something that's very necessary, um, you know, as far as improving and visiting all these different places that you go? Absolutely. Um, so I'll g give you a little bit of background history. So I remember, so, Earlier, we were talking about the early days of internet when I had my 300 megahertz computer and my 28 you know, megabyte or my my dial-up internet. Right. Um, during that time frame, shortly after that, I remember um, there wasn't many search engine options uh, at the time, uh, but the search engine I was using back then was called Snap, or I logged into a website called Snap.com. And I believe it was owned by Microsoft. I could be wrong, but... Um, I had a friend, um, my best friend in high school at the time was like, Hey man, I'm thinking about investing in this uh, stock called Google. I'm like, what, what is it called? He's like, Google. Mm. I was like, what is that? He said, it's a search engine. I was like, Oh no, nah, man, I use snap, you know, <laughs> snap is four letter word. Anybody, you know, like I think of yeah. oh, being quick, you know, snap of a finger, <laughs> but he was like, no nah, man, this thing called Google. And I logged into Google and I remember looking at it and I was like, dude, this is complete garbage. <laughs> like it's literally a search bar with some crappy font, you know? And I was like, what's so special about this? He's like, Oh dude. And I literally talked this man out of, uh, investing in this company. Right. And I feel solely responsible for him not like being a multimillionaire from that one deal. But then again, we're high school students. So, I mean, I don't know how much money we had in our hands back then, but I just remember talking trash about like, uh, Google and uh, how I'm not ever using that and I'm going to be using Snap until, you know, whatever. And here I am, everybody, I mean, Google is a verb now, you know, oh, in normal man. conversation language. <laughs> so the reason I mentioned that is I, not only was I talking trash about it, but I was, uh, I missed, we missed the opportunity on um, investing in that. So, um, you know, and then also we miss, me and my friend also missed a boat in investing in, uh, in Apple you know, um, um, and then we also missed the opportunity. Uh, well, I said missed the opportunity, missed the cheap entry level of investing into these stock options back then. Yeah. So, you know, fast forward to cryptocurrency. Um, I remember my brother brought up to me about Bitcoin and I have very little interest in it because I didn't know much about it. And, and keep in mind, um, I'm, I like old school stuff. So, I'll, you know, what's retro to me is like things from the 80s and 90s. And um, I remember I thought uh, using Cash App and uh, Venmo and these type of things. I mean, it took me a long time just to use PayPal. And I was using PayPal because, or I started using PayPal because I was buying and selling things on eBay. And, um, and it, you know, kind of forced my hand to use PayPal. But I didn't use PayPal on a, on a daily use, transactional use with, you know, between friends you know, in the early days of PayPal. But of course, now nowadays, everybody uh, has some kind of cash app or PayPal app. And I know when I uh, do a transaction with a younger younger crowd in their, you know, late teens, early 20s, uh, ask them if they have PayPal, they laugh at me. They're like, dude, how old are you, are you using PayPal? You don't have cash app, you know, so or, or Venmo or whatever, you know, so I'm like, oh, man. But um, I think uh, as far as cryptocurrency is concerned, um, especially with uh, uh, what's happening in the world today and um, uh, with the world reserve currency, the U.S. dollar being um, heavily uh, potentially manipulated by not just our government, but by um, big banks and corporations. Mm. Um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of experts in the financial market know that uh, the U.S. dollar is no longer backed up by gold. You know, we came off the gold standard back in, I believe, uh, in 72 uh, in so we have the, uh, you know, in the U.S., we have the ability to print all this money. And what happens is it, it inflates our currency. So for average person, what does that mean? What that means is every time, you know, your $100 you saved in the bank, every time the government prints a bunch of money, 
your $100 buying power is decreased. Mm. You don't lose the $100 in the account, but what happens is your buying power for the $100 is decreased. So a lot of people are talking about Bitcoin right now being, you know, over 30, 35, $40,000 mm -hmm. uh, US dollars for one Bitcoin. But I don't think they truly understand what's happening. I mean, A, yes, Bitcoin's value is increasing. Or more importantly, I think is that the US dollar uh, is devaluating. Mm -hmm. So there's countries like Zimbabwe, you know, 2012, their currency, they suffer hyperinflation, you know, and people in that country were becoming trillionaires overnight. But the buying power of a trillionaire couldn't, couldn't even buy you a loaf of bread. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. it's insane. Having, having some arbitrary number uh, tied to a currency that's not worth anything you know, is, is a scare for a lot of the people in the uh, cryptocurrency um, sphere, I guess you should say, or I would call them. So, um, so, you know, I guess with cryptocurrency, the, the couple key topics, I guess we should talk about is probably uh, how it works. Um, and the thing is, I, I still feel like I'm a, a cryptocurrency newbie, mm -hmm. even though I've been kind of involved since uh, 2016 till current. But, uh, you know, the blockchain technology with Bitcoin. And so the two uh, cryptocurrency type things I'm heavily involved in right now is uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum. Mm -hmm. um, Ethereum, they call Bitcoin uh, the digital gold or gold 2.0. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, that's kind of the, you know, no pun intended, the gold standard of cryptocurrency. And there's a finite amount of how much Bitcoin there is. And I believe that number is uh, 21 million, right? Ever going to be made, ever produced. And um, Ethereum currently doesn't have a finite amount, but there, you know, it's been talks about eventually there may be uh, a cap on how many Ethereums there are. Mm -hmm. So, um, and some people compare Ethereum as uh, digital silver, but um, I think it's more of a digital oil or fuel, you know. Uh, That's correct. Yeah. yeah. So Ethereum, um, Going on to Ethereum, I had a Canadian friend that uh, introduced me to Ethereum um, back in 2015, and he was hyped up about it. Uh, shout out to Colin <laughs> in Vancouver, Canada. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, he is a very analytical person, much, much more you know intellectual than I am uh, about cryptocurrency and crypto uh, in general. And uh, I remember we spent many, many hours on the phone and on on uh, um, in chat and texting about Ethereum. And um, at the time, I think Ethereum was uh, way less than $100. Mm -hmm. um, and Ethereum uh, runs off a thing called Ether, uh, which is what powers the, uh, the blockchain or the, you know. Right. And he's telling me all about it, and it was way over my head. I think I maybe retained one per, less than 1% of what he was telling me. Yeah. But he was just saying, hey, listen, man, I'm not, I don't invest in stock markets. I don't invest in this. But if I had to put all my eggs in one basket, that wasn't Bitcoin, it'd be Ethereum. Mm -hmm. So uh, I took his advice, and um, when I started building mining rigs out of uh, GPUs, uh, graphics uh, cards uh, that are usually used for gaming, uh, I built these six GPU, 10 GPU, 12 GPU mining rigs, and half of my mining rigs were mining uh, Ethereum. Mm -hmm. um, at the time, I think it was Ethereum Classic, but it, then it ended up forking and, you know, yeah. So that's a whole different conversation. But oh, yeah. uh, my focus was on Ethereum, half, you know, half, I was mining 25% Bitcoin, 50% um, Ethereum, and then 25% of all the other altcoins out there that might have been hot or speculatively hot. And, you know, and um, I joined these uh, different Facebook groups and, uh, and chats and stuff, and people were sharing information. But, at the time, there was also a lot of scamming stuff going on, so you really had to be careful what you invested in. Oh yeah. But uh, I just remember knowing that um, the reason I got into mining was that I had hardware that had intrinsic value, physical that I had physical control over, and also I am a you know I do play games as well. Um, but I was like, well, you know, worst case scenario, I still have these graphics cards, I still have this hardware mm -hmm. that may or may not be worth anything later, but. Um, I can put these on uh, to, to mine these cryptocurrency that may or may not go up in value. But my friend Colin was such a believer. He convinced me and I was like, all right, man, I don't know what kind of cult I'm joining, but <laughs> let me let me hop in this. So, so here we are. Yeah. And uh, that that's a, a really good, um, I think, um, information break, breakdown into how we're going to move into the next area, which is the NFT 
to give that the spotlight. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, to describe Ethereum like oil or some sort of uh, gas feature um, is, is a really good way to put it because that's how it's described as far as the, um, you know, sending transactions or completing out tasks or transactions um, when you're utilizing this technology, which is another more souped up uh, internet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are fees required to process that task. And, um, you know, the fees are called gas. And so that's basically derived from Ethereum. Mm-hmm. So there are so many um, different levels to what Ethereum can do. And, um, you know, it's, it's also a very um, important uh, record-keeping feature because one thing that, um, another interesting comparison that I came across a few days ago was the, the value of record-keeping. So in a lot of these transactions that are taking place on the blockchain with crypto, it's all, um, you know, keeping these records uh, via the internet. And it's, you can go and find every type of transaction, every sort of, uh, uh, you know, um, movement that's going on from one to the next, from one, um, you know, whether it's a um, someone sending money or send, someone sending uh, some sort of tokenized asset in any way, it's all recorded. And an interesting um, comparison that I heard um, in describing some of this technology was um, comparable to the very early and ancient days of uh, record keeping on clay tablets. Yes. So, you know, way back then, this was extremely valuable because, you know, they they were they're marking in, um, you know, onto these clay tablets, all the um, the activities uh, that were taking place. And they were extremely valuable because. That was the um, their level of, of, of transactions, keeping up with all, everything that was being you know being done. So you know, of course, this was an early form of writing and to, to trying you know, keep up that practice of you know their their language and their their written language. But um, you know, it went further than that, especially with um, financials or accounting. Was this ability of um, record keeping on these tablets with their various symbols? And so, you know, those became extremely valuable because especially for whatever um, level that that society was at, you know, taxation was a very big thing. And so, of course, that made this extremely more important because, um, you know, they had to record, uh, you know, that that sort of almost even a barter system, uh, whether it was what taxes were paid with what you know, what numbers of sheep and cattle were moved, you know, that sort of um, type of transaction. It was, it was amazing. And uh, this was, you know, also a very complex business, but, you know, that was their, their level of their accuracy with their level of mathematical competence and their standard. And so I thought that was just kind of fascinating because each clay tablet had different, um, recorded it was a like their recorded ledger back then yes and so we bring it to today in this digital age Mm -hmm. that's exactly what the blockchain is (laughs) and so in each block is that very same that very um you know comparable type of uh, um transaction or you know uh, just record keeping you know and that's exactly it and that's the exact type of technology that a lot of the banks are going to be moving over is this distributed ledger right so you got this distributed information all these things all these accounts that are recorded in that way so i think as far as trying to conceptualize and wrap your mind around what this actually is Mm -hmm. that's pretty much it but of course when you think about how creative uh you can um basically put something down on these clay tablets you know if you can imagine what the hieroglyphs look like in the time of egypt they were very creative as well and so that's also applicable to where we're going um with what ethereum can um, make you know possible with these nfts right Mm -hmm. so now we get into the good stuff all right so whenever i say nft i'm referring to non-fungible token so um as far as like a as compared or contrast to a fungible token, uh, fungible to to reco- to um, declare something fungible is like a um, to compare it to a commodity or uh, the big the best example is like uh, the dollar or a currency. Mm-hmm. That would be considered the, uh, the the fungibility of what this technology is. Now, when you go into non fungible tokens, that um, 
is the the ability of putting a lot of everything else onto this uh, tokenized tokenized uh, digital capability. And so, in other words, putting a physical piece of property and um, recording that onto the blockchain. And so then now you're able to distribute that information, everything about that physical object. Like you can type in exactly what the object is in its description and, and put that all into the blockchain. And then, um, you know, boom, it's tokenized and then you can distribute it to wherever, however. And so now the capability is, are these, these platforms being created, which are applications similar to the apps in your phone or apps in a website that have uh, take it a step further and have done all the legwork the legwork in creating these platforms so that you can simply apply the information and or input the info into the website um you know depending like say for um with what we're going to talk about which is art so you can apply all that necessary information from a piece of art onto uh, the platform and then um you know hit create or um, I forget what the exact term is, and then it becomes a uh, NFT, so a non-fungible token. Now you've created um, some artwork on into the digital space. And so what's interesting about this capability now is the uh, huge market that is generating, that is growing, that is coming about because I've been following it as much as I can um, where into where this is leading into. And interestingly enough, uh, year by year for the past couple of years, that market has been growing and growing. And uh, just last month in December of 2020, uh, NFT um, art sales just hit an all-time high at, at $8.2 million in NFT art sales. Oh, wow. Just exploded onto this particular scene um, just last month. So... This is only a growing trend that is mimicking the exact value of this whole coin market as sure. we see it, right? And so this is uh, one area that I'm excited to learn more about as well as getting to uh, get this across to many of our artist friends because um, this really expands the market and the capability to where this level of creativity can go. Like yeah. where at the present moment you can create some art and maybe you know sell it locally, um, in 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 any fashion, or if you know, or if you know of any other like a an online website or create your store or online, um, you know, presence, you can do that. But it's still a um, an effort to really try and market that and get that out there to hit it worldwide. Mm -hmm. um, but what these uh, these NFT art platforms uh, can do is take care of all that automatically as well. So you become a crypto artist, you can put it on to this, uh, to their marketplace and instantly you're an international artist, uh, reaching an audience all around the world via just this one platform. And there are so many out there. Gotcha. So, um, yeah, so this is, I mean, this is a whole other level of information. And even if you don't want to, uh, learn too much about what a lot of other cryptos are out there, mm -hmm. This is just one space alone as far as the uh, NFT art community um, that, you know, is really fun and interesting to get involved with because uh, uh, the many type of examples and uh, adaptable uh, capabilities that you can, you know, that you can take this. I mean, so we're talking about tokenizing physical property. Yes. As well as creating digital art and having it already automatically inserted into the, you know, into onto the Internet and distributing that in various ways um but you know we're talking about um collectibles even you know mm -hmm. um so there's th that hits so many different levels game items you know a lot oh, yeah. of times with skins and oh yeah this and that um, so i was going to chime in on the um on the cryptocurrency or the crypto market and how it affects so i guess the average listener listening if it's anywhere close to the ratio of the people i know and who is actually involved so like I mentioned earlier, one out of 25 of my um, people I know uh, know are involved in cryptocurrency. Um, for the other 24 people that have no clue on what any of it is. So, I'm, I mean, to me, I feel like I'm a, I'm a crypto noob or a dummy anyways, but I've just been involved in it a little bit longer than the average person. Mm -hmm. um, so 
the difference between, I guess I, for the average listener, I would just tell them like Bitcoin would be holding Bitcoin is like holding digital gold, right? So like physical gold has tangible asset, has an intrinsic value. Um, I believe the current market is somewhere in the um, 1800 to $2,000 price range per ounce of gold. And silver is probably between 25 and $30 per ounce as of today. I haven't checked the market mm-hmm. in a couple of weeks, but uh, those are physical, physical uh, precious metals of uh, intrinsic value. Now, moving back to cryptocurrency, how does cryptocurrency affect the average person? Well, earlier, you know, where I was I was talking about uh, missing the boat or the opportunity with Google and Apple on investing in their stocks. Um, there's a lot of people out there who invest in the crypto market, such as Bitcoin and Ethereum, and they're treating it like a stock. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but but with Bitcoin being digital gold, I can see why they would do that, too. Um because right now, not I think the value of Bitcoin and Ethereum and any of these other cryptocurrency that's going to uh, explode in value are the ones that are going to make it into our daily lives. You know, there was a time in history that Amazon was around, but but there it wasn't worth as much as it's worth today, mm-hmm. right? Because everybody I know today not only knows what Amazon is, but they've made numerous purchases, especially during this pandemic mm-hmm. with Amazon. You know, with a click of a button, you can have whatever you desire as far as a physical good delivered to your door without even having to get in your car, driving to the store, picking it up. Mm. Right now, for that particular example, they're paying with uh, some kind of currency online with some kind of service such as PayPal or, you know, or credit card. You know, um, I know earlier before we got on the podcast, we're talking about currency a little bit. You know, there was a time in history where my parents did not use credit cards. It was cash and check, mm-hmm. right? And uh, so in their lifetime where we're experiencing, uh, why would you pay me in Bitcoin or Ethereum or any kind of cryptocurrency? That's weird. Why don't you just pay me on Cash App? Mm. Well, there was a time time frame in my life where I didn't accept Cash App or Venmo, right? And uh, and, and my parents in the previous generation with my parents, they didn't, they didn't accept anything besides cash or gold or silver or, you know, well, gold and silver, wasn't something they really exchanged back in their lifetime, but, but, um, you know, it was mostly cash, some kind of fiat currency, U S currency or whatever currency in whatever country they are in. Mm -hmm. So fast forward to current day, um, about, uh, crypto, the, um, there are games that are being, that are out now. And one of the games that, um, you know, shout out to Crypto Kitties. Uh, they <laughs> <laughs> built on the platform on e- uh, Ethereum using Ether to uh, purchase your digital kitty, right? Right. And yes. uh, I mentioned that because I know uh, <laughs> a lot of videos on on the internet are popular, such as you know kitty videos or puppy videos. <laughs> so uh, you know that was the first game that I was aware of that came onto uh, that was on blockchain technology uh, and you know using Ethereum. Um, but I remember when that came out, I thought that was the dumbest thing. And then <laughs> shortly after, I was like, man, this is genius. The same way I felt about kitty videos. I was like, this is the dumbest thing. But then I found out so many people find joy watching the videos, just like so many people find joy owning a digital crypto kitty, right? It's not really my cup of tea, but I can, even though I uh, don't like it or don't love it, um, I do have an appreciation for uh, why people would enjoy it. So mm-hmm. that makes sense. But um the public ledger you you mentioned on um, talking about ancient history till current. Mm-hmm. Um, the, one of the great things I love about um, one of the main things that people may not know about uh, Bitcoin or Ethereum is that uh, just like you mentioned, everything that happens as far as the transact uh, transactions or whatever, it's all in public ledger. So not one person or group or government entity can change that. You know, uh, so it keeps it really transparent, which is something I really love about crypto mm-hmm. is that it's a public ledger. So what happens is once that, that whether it, so for example, if I send you uh, Ethereum or you send me Ethereum or I buy something from you, you buy something from me, or even talking about crypto kitties, I purchase a crypto kitty with X amount of Ethereum gas. Mm-hmm. Um, it's in the public ledger and not you or I, or the person who created crypto kitties can change the fact that I made that purchase or cause it's all in public. So what happens is once that that information is, is validated and verified, it goes out to all the 
the nodes or the 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 uh, I guess the blockchain, and uh, and you and I can't change that. Right. So it keeps it really transparent. Um, uh, and the good thing about uh, Ethereum, uh, as far as the main thing I like about Ethereum is that the use of of that compared to Bitcoin. I feel like Bitcoin is something where you just kind of hold and store your value, whereas Ethereum, um, a lot of all the dApps that are built on it, and I guess I should mention what dApps are. Dapps are a, a decentralized application. Uh, so very similar to like apps on your phone, you know, uh, there's a lot of people creating dApps such as, um, well, there's over, last time I checked, you know, it was over 2,500 different dApps out there on built on the Ethereum blockchain. So those are all softwares or app applications you can use based on the decentralized mm -hmm. part of uh, crypto. Um, and one of them, you know, is CryptoKitties. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, so I, um, so as far as the NFT and stuff and with artwork and digital art, mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm, I'm still really new to that because I haven't gone down that rabbit hole to discover. So mm -hmm. uh, when you reached out to me about coming onto the podcast to talk about it, I was mm -hmm. like, man, I, I'm not only am I a crypto newbie, uh, in comparison to some of these experts I know, but, uh, but I, I guess I can sh share my perspective of what I do know. Mm -hmm. And, um, and as far as the, uh, some people are probably wondering what the value of, uh, the cryptocurrency I had that I mined or I kept or, or I sold, um, at the time, I think, uh, Ethereum was, was way under a hundred dollars when I mined it. Uh, I was mining probably, I don't know, five to $10 worth of Ethereum a day. Um, I sold off probably 80% of my market share on that um, to uh, to to get my investment back on the hardware I invested on. And I, I held on to about 20% of it. And that 20% was approximately $1,200 US worth of uh, uh, worth of Ethereum. And that was, I, I held on to 12 Ether or Ethereum. Mm -hmm. And last time I checked my wallet, uh, prior to about a month ago was it was worth 1200 bucks so yeah, you know it nice. wasn't a lot of it wasn't life-changing money it was just you know I was like, oh so after I paid off my mining rigs and my hardware and I made a little bit of profit the remaining balance stayed in my wallet <laughs> that was uh that was the 12 ethereums and I think I held a little bit of Bitcoin as well maybe about I don't know two hundred dollars worth of Bitcoin at the time when ethereum was worth you know about a hundred bucks um so interesting enough um i had a lot of friends that were you know uh heavy into crypto start contacting me saying hey are you are you are you back mining again are you back in crypto i was like no i took a break from that I had other focuses mm -hmm. which was opening up my second location for the the arcade bar called bit bar and i was working on that and i was working on some other projects mm -hmm. so i i really put crypto uh mining and crypto to the side uh, because the value, the market kind of tanked for a while mm -hmm. back. Uh, I stopped mining January, January in January of 2019. Mm -hmm. So for all of 19 and all of 20, most of 2020, I didn't even look at or mess with cryptocurrency that much at all. And uh, I think it was right after Christmas is when I started talking to my friends about uh, the market with Bitcoin and stuff. And then it was on the, you know, it was having a bull run, crazy bull run. Um, mm -hmm. I, I pulled out all my mining equipment out of storage. I still, I never sold the equipment cause it was already paid for. Um, all those graphics cards, the graphics cards I had on those, uh, or I currently have on those are, uh, Nvidia GTX 1060, six gigs, 1070 TIs, mm -hmm. AMD RX 470 cards. Yeah. For for average person who don't know what those are, those are uh, gaming graphics cards that were really popular, you know, three four years ago. Mm -hmm. um, so back to the valuation of my wallet. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, my friends were asking me, "Hey man, did you check the value?" And and I finally checked, and I was like, "Holy crap!" Yeah, I was like, "Bitcoin's thirty five thousand, thirty thousand, thirty five thousand, all the way to forty thousand. I was like, "Geez." Yeah. So I immediately ran and tried to grab my digital wallet and it was tied to one of my phones. I think it was tied to it like a, uh, what phone did I have it tied to? It was an older phone. I think it was like a, a Samsung Galaxy Note 5 or something, right? Mm -hmm. So I went to go look for it and it was tied to the phone. And unlike losing an email, you can't just go in and type in recovery email. Let me have access to my email onto my new phone. Mm -hmm. 
that wallet is doesn't work that way. Yeah. You know, I, I explained to people losing your digital wallet is is like losing your physical wallet. You lose it, you lose it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I spent three days trying to recover my wallet. Oh yeah. And thank God I, I had uh the this twelve word code thing to recover the wallet. And nice. uh, the Good. wallet was with I had the wallet with Jax. Um and to recover it I had to find this code or this, you know, to, to validate that was my wallet. Right. So <laughs> I, I spent three days looking for it and I finally found it. And I was, you know, it was like losing $1,200. It's not like losing $20 <laughs> in the laundry, you know, in your, your pocket, you know, pant pocket. Yeah. It was $1,200, but now I'm like, I have no clue what's worth now. Oh man. So spent three days, got access to my, my Jack's wallet and I opened it up. And boom, the balance is still there. $17,000, bro. <laughs> it was $1,200 when I left it. And then I, and then I took, spent three days getting my wallet back and it's boom, $17,000. Yes. And it's insane. Your, your case is very fortunate because yes. I mean, that's, that doesn't always work out. I, no, there's been, in fact, uh, the past couple of days, there's been one story where, uh, a guy who is, um, trying to dig up a whole area i don't i don't even know what the size is but he's trying to he's paying a company like a couple of million to dig up uh, almost like a landfill area <laughs> to recover uh this this his hard drive that he had because apparently if he's willing to pay that much he's sitting on a whole lot more bitcoin sitting in his hard drive somewhere sure that's even if he still has the keys or the recovery phrase to open up that wallet right because there's another story of another of a guy who has just um flat out lost his uh he's all he has is just one um password that he needs to enter and he's uh two passwords away from it just getting lost and completely done and locked out and uh i think the last i read um He's just willing to give up on it, but it's sitting on $22 million worth of Bitcoin. Oh, my gosh. And, uh, he, you know, if he doesn't get these passwords right, it's I don't even know what program or what wallet he was using, but it's I have gone. no idea. But that 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 sounds like a terrible day. <laughs> you know, I was upset yeah. about losing $1,200, <laughs> which I found out later was $17,000. Um, it's nice. Yeah. Congrats losing, on that. Thank that's, you. Thank you. Really, yeah. really good stuff. So, you know, uh, shout out to my wife for telling me to write down everything and, oh, I, yeah. and I put it in my safe, but I, I ended up finding it. It was in buried in a bunch of notes of things I needed and didn't need, you know, and I, mm. and I was like, I wonder if this is it. And I recovered it and I couldn't believe it. Yeah. But it, uh, it's a good thing. You, you hold on to a lot of stuff too, you know? Yeah. You and, know. and, you know, um, as far as what you could do with even some of your, uh, you know, your nostalgic belongings, some of these, these old, uh, whether even they're, if they're old toys or whatever it is sure. like you can tokenize anything. Okay. Yeah. And then, uh, and, and I appreciate some of the information that you, uh, applied of in, in talking about why, uh, this public ledger and the, the transparency, um, you know, how it exists and why it's so valuable because even as I mentioned about the clay tablets being extremely valuable, um, this, there, that aspect of immutability of not being able to change any of the information on whatever you're going to tokenize, uh, therein lies some of the value as well. So, you know, if you were to tokenize any any of the collectibles, even if they were physical uh, toy figurines, you could do that as well, because you're capturing the the that n nostalgia. You're capturing, you know, that that favorability and that aspect of of you know the collectibles, you know, and that's almost part of our human nature is, you know, the, the want for various types of collectibles, those preferences that sure, we have. Sure. And, you know, what's unique about that is so when you enter the information into uh, this, this, the application, this app or D app is the, your ability to, uh, you know, apply the number of uh, issuances, the number of tokens, the number of like, I don't want to say copies because they are in fact, um, authenticated. Um, each one will be authenticated, you know, according to however many you want to enter. So let's say you were to tokenize a favorite collectible, a figurine or something, you could make just the one or you can make up to a hundred mm -hmm. and then that would be set. You know, that would be the exact amount that you would put out there and you could uh, put the price tag. And so a lot of the transactions and the currency used in the NFT space is the Ethereum. Right. And so you would uh, put however much ether you'd want to sell it for and then you'd put it out there and 
boom, you know, you can have, you know, um, you know, um, Johnny's collectibles sure. and own one of 50 or one of a hundred gotcha. and yeah. you can sell it forever. And so the same way works with the artwork, right? So if you, even if you don't create, um, digital art, you could take some of the canvas work or however, whatever physical art you have and tokenize it. You just got to go on to the, to the platform. Sure. And it's, it's that amazing. Like for instance, um, um, my, um, the, the arts collective here, uh, CTAC, Central Texas Artists Collective, mm -hmm. I just took the logo and I uh, put that onto the platform. And so now it's an NFT. And so there are 50 copies of uh, the CTAC logo, lo uh, logo out there, you know, mm -hmm. in an NFT form, you know, just for anyone who's interested and wants to own a, a, like a share or a piece of the CTAC, sure. you know, branding, they could do that. It's in Ether. And because Ethereum's price is running up so much, where if you would have bought it, $20 when it first got issued, it's now worth like $50. Wow. So that's the other beauty of this. And I, I want you to show me more about that. Yeah. Um, that's that definitely interests me. It, um, it's the, terrific. Yeah. It's like, I feel like it's like a digital trading card the way you just described it. At exactly. least that's a feeling it gave me instead yeah. of a trading card. Do you remember those Marvel masterpiece cards? Like I remember I was in grade school and on the bus, you know, I remember I, I love X-Men. And I was a big fan of Gambit and, uh, and I would trade, uh, I had a friend that was like all about Wolverine. So like, I remember I was buying packs of collectible cards and, uh, I would trade him all my Wolverines for all his Gambits, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and I had, yeah. and then there's a, there's, you know, there's a random guy that collected Cyclops or, you know, and then there's this other guy that collected all the female superheroes. <laughs> <laughs> so I remember my goal was to have all the different Gambit trading cards. But anyways, oh, yeah. I just remember the Marvel Masterpiece cards. But, you know, those were, um, you know, I, those were collectible cards that can hold your hand. They're physical, tangible objects. Mm -hmm. And I know for the, the for most of the listeners, they're like, well, how does the how does the crypto sphere work or how does it how does it work on Ethereum with this art? And the the only way I can really describe it is very similar to like the Crypto Kitties. Mm -hmm. So when you log in, like, so I didn't buy a Crypto Kitty, but I had a lot of friends that were into that, and they showed me their Crypto Kitty collection. Yeah, you know, they had different attributes. They have all, not all the kitties looked alike. They had different, you know, they, you know, this one had this color fur or this this kind of um, accessory or whatnot. And I feel like uh, the way you describe when you're tokenizing art is that, hey, so this particular artwork I'm creating, there's only going to be 50 in existence, and this is how much it costs. Yes. And you own this on the on this, on this this blockchain network on Ethereum. Right. So only there's only going to be 50 of them, and and that's all there is. And um, you can be one, of, you can own one of the 50 mm -hmm. or two or three. And you mentioned the logo, right? You created those tokens. Um, it was, you had a price at 20 bucks. And now with the, with the current market value of Ethereum, now that might be worth 50. Yes. So I get it for collectors. I think that's how a collector mindset could relate to what you're talking about. Yeah. Because, you know, sometimes when I'm talking to, talking to some of my uh, friends and, and experts about crypto, you know, when they talk to me, it goes way over my head. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a normal dude that, that just has a lot of sees a lot of, you know, extraordinary opportunities and uh, which, for, you know, some of my friends think my life is super interesting, but mm. to me, I just like to have fun and enjoy things, enjoy, uh, experiences. Yeah. And, um, I just don't want to, I, I, I made the decision after missing out on Google and Apple and, and even Tesla. Mm. Uh, and, and some people could argue that you still haven't missed the boat. They haven't hit, you know, it hasn't really plateaued or whatnot, but mm -hmm. I feel like with cryptocurrency, as far as whether it's investing or, well, as far as investing, I think it's still relatively early because, it has not been adopted by the masses yet. Exactly. And, yeah. In the sense of everybody's using it. Right. You know, you know, like for example, a great example of this is like Spotify, Netflix stocks and all the streaming services, all these services blew up like in value, uh, during, amidst the, uh, uh, during lockdown and the pandemic, you know, due to COVID-19. Right. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people stayed home and even Amazon and Walmart, all these stocks blew up. So, you know, a lot of people said, man, had I known, I would have bought these stocks, you know. So I, so let me put this disclaimer out there. I'm not a financial advisor. So <laughs> I, I'm just sharing my thought thoughts on what I feel about crypto, exactly. which is it's not it has not been adopted by the masses. I mean, there's a lot of people. I mean, right now, compared to two years ago or four years ago, six years ago, you know, uh, obviously the 
the support for Bitcoin and Ethereum has gone way up. But again, it's not the same as how Amazon is now where everybody, I, I don't know one person that does not use Amazon mm. or have Amazon Prime. You either have Amazon or you know somebody that has Amazon Prime. Mm -hmm. Same thing. If you watch Netflix at home, if you don't have a Netflix account, you're probably using someone else's, right? But you're using Netflix. <laughs> exactly. So I feel I feel like Ethereum <laughs> is going to be that next thing, What whatever it is on the Ethereum platform. Some, like, you know, not everybody's going to be playing CryptoKitties, like, because I'm not, right? But right. there's a lot of people that are. <laughs> Just like not everybody watches crypto or not crypto, but kitty videos. I don't, but I do watch some videos that gets me down these rabbit holes, yeah. you know, and I'm starting to feel like I'm in, I'm in the matrix, you know, I'll, I'll watch those videos. But yeah. anyways, I'm, I'm just going to pass it back to you, Steve, back to you, Steve, about yeah. like, uh, uh, I want to, I want to learn more about these tokens and, uh, yeah. um, and converting like artwork or something, you know, artists and musicians that something they create that, mm that they can uh that can put they can put on to the uh, blockchain where um collectors or or consumers can own um and that's that's something new to me because i you know with uh with all the i'm waiting for a dap that you know affects my life directly mm -hmm. you know um and one of the things i'm waiting on is like how i can how i can apply that to either any of my businesses you know, I'm like, even though I'm still, I consider myself a, a, a cryptocurrency newbie uh, for my website and even for my businesses, I'm willing to accept um, cryptocurrency as payment, mm -hmm. um, whether it's, you know, uh, coming in, you know, buying a, buying a drink at my bar or buying a comic book from my store. I'm willing to take uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum. I just haven't um, set that up yet because I don't know how. So I'm waiting for somebody out there to help me do that. And, right. um, and I'll be more than willing to accept that as payment. Mm -hmm. So that's my belief system. My, that's how great of my belief is into, um, you know, Ethereum and Bitcoin and, and so forth. We're going to have to cut it short here, guys. Um, we've delivered a massive amount of information for you so far and please stay tuned for part two. This has been Globe Media Network Podcast.